available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we are the Podcast of Champions talking Pac-12 football now, year-round Pac-12 football, even though there's not a whole lot going on in the world of Pac-12 football. Nothing, still... actually. Nothing. Yes. There's nothing going on. So what happens is John, our buddy John Wilner, when he goes on vacation, there's no Pac-12 news whatsoever. Nothing going on. Right. They actually hold it until he's back. <laughs> they don't say, oh, I guess we're off too because John Wilner went on vacation. That's what the Pac-12 offices yeah. say. <laughs> Maybe the whole office is shut down. Yeah. Um, well, if you guys, so it'll be another show of answering your questions. And then uh, really this week, or the, you know, this coming week, we're going to do previews of all the Pac-12 schools for uh, fall camp and, of course, the 2018 season. So we'll talk to different uh, various experts around the country about all of that. So if you have any questions or comments, so looking ahead, if you have a question or comment about a specific team you want for our preview shows, send them in. Pac-12podcast at gmail.com is the email, or you can tweet us at Pac-12podcast. All of our old episodes, if you want to see those, you can see them at Pac-12podcast.com. That's our little blog website. And you can also send a text or leave a voicemail. It'd be great if you want to leave a voicemail for, you have an Oregon State question, for example. And when we have Angie on, you want to leave, you know, talk about the Beavers. 424-532-0678 is the number. You can call or text that same number. And I'm excited, Dave. One last, I, I love answering the questions, but it'll be good to get kind of back talking about you know, real football stuff with real experts. Well, you know what? We can talk about that right now, Ryan, because our man, Kyle Bonagora, is on location in Mongolia um, scouting some talent for Pac-12 teams. <laughs> did you see his video of the sumo wrestlers? I did not see that. I've seen a lot of pictures. Uh, so Kyle has done this, like, how many? He's like 30 countries or something in Asia, like this crazy trip. Oh, yeah. I've not seen the video of the sumo wrestlers yet. I need to check that so, out. So, so he posted it with the caption like scouting DL talent in uh, in in Mongolia. But you watch those. I've, so I've never actually watched sumo wrestling ever. Uh, my like one piece of familiarity with it was when I was briefly a pro wrestling fan in like the early '90s when I was seven, and I saw Yokozuna, and I was like, "Oh, is that what a sumo wrestler is?" Um, and no, they're like you know three hundred. 350 pounds between that range and they're like doing just great hand fighting keeping their elbows in and just fighting with their wrists and it's it just got me thinking that's that translates and that would translate to to the dl ranks yeah in the pac-12 i want to see the first school out there going into the depths of ulaanbaatar and recruiting some sumo wrestlers <laughs> to play defensive line that's what i want to see ulaanbaatar nice yeah uh, he's Kyle's been all over the place, so maybe that's true. Because now Kyle's on vacation. Also, is really there was no Pac-12 stuff going on because uh, our, no. our two main Pac-12 
peeps, you know what was going on, Dave? What? And now it's over now? We don't have to talk about it for four more years? The World Cup. It's gone. It's over. And I actually watched, like, I don't know, the last, like, week or so of it. Um, and it was great. I, I got I caught the parts that, you know, were good and finished with actual wins and losses and not ties. So that was great. Um, and now we don't have to talk about it anymore. Except next year, uh, the Women's World Cup, a much, much better event overall. Yes. Um, you know, they they don't flop nearly as much. Um, so I recommend watching that. Uh, but then, uh, then nothing for for a few more years. It'll yeah. The uh, so actually, I watched. I didn't watch. I watched like the first half of the consolation or whatever the the you know the third round. I can't watch that stuff. I can't watch consolation yeah. games. I can't do that in any sport, but definitely not in in soccer. I had so I played in this uh, volleyball tournament called Smackfest yesterday. It's like this big kind of. A lot of people drink it in Hermosa Beach, like co-ed um, costumes and stuff. Yes, I'm probably too old for these things, but I still do it. And uh, you're never too old to play dress up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was actually in Mexico. We were our our theme was World Cup, like World Cupy was our team. So I dressed. I had like Mexican uh, shorts and a shirt, and I had a flag around my neck and a sombrero. So it was pretty fun. Um, but we all had a good time. And but before that, I watched a little bit of the game. And uh, then this morning, I got up and uh, just watched the uh, the finals. And my biggest complaint is usually the more important the game is, the crappier it is because they're so afraid of giving up a goal. But this one was actually pretty wide open. Now, it was like there was an own goal and a handball, like, you know, stuff that's like, okay, like the goals are so hard to come by. And I would of- watch the shit out of any game that was like today. Like, it, was it was good, yeah. And stupid and crazy. And that got Mbappe's like just incredible. I don't think I've ever seen anybody run so fast. It's all great. Um, I wish they could do the stuff to have more games like that. It's like that, but that's, that's completely the exception and it's not the rule. And give me Belgium, Japan, every single game. And I will be the biggest soccer fan in the entire world. Yeah. I think we're we're one thing. Just no more one. Nothing. I cannot, I can't do it. And like, well, there's other things to go. I'm like, no, Goals. Goals are important. Shots on goal. France had, I think it was at half, France was up two to one. They had one shot on goal and scored two goals. So it's like. And that's the thing. I'm not even talking like, I don't even need, I I really don't need like it to be like 10 9 or something crazy. No, no. Like solid 3 2 game. That's enough for me. That's that's fine. Just none of the 1 0 stuff. There's so much of that. Yeah. It's like if there's a bunch of saves and people like compare it to hockey. And hockey, like a goalie, get twenty five saves. You know, it's like there's shots. Like there, there's sometimes there's just like no, not even any shots. Like you're not even, it's like you're not even getting close to scoring a goal. Um, yeah. So, but whatever. We don't have to talk about soccer anymore. Um, one thing I thought of, uh, some of the, the terms that are used that we didn't mm-hmm. like really include when we were like making fun of soccer. People will make fun of soccer. Like the set pieces, you hear that like all the freaking time. Like set pieces, yeah. set pieces. And then touch it, like, t- like oh, that was a good touch, that was a good touch, blah, 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 yeah. whatever. So we, c- we could use those, too. Yeah, I like I like, uh, I like the touch one. You know, he, he just had a bad touch on it. Like, whenever Jake Browning throws one of his arm punt interceptions, we'll say, oh, that was just a bad touch. Yeah. Just a bad touch on that one. Um, it'll be great. We'll, we'll, we'll work it in. You know, this will be the World Cup-themed football season. Oh. We just, okay. we will, that's, I've officially branded it now. 
and we will uh, we will work in work in some lingo as we go. How about in eight years we'll do that too? Like you know when when the United States when the North America gets to host the World Cup, so we'll we'll talk more wow. we'll talk more World Cup in eight years. We, we will record our Pac-12 football podcast on location at the World Cup sites, and we'll talk Pac-12 football, but we will do it there. We literally could because I mean I'm sure like the Rose Bowl yeah, sure, and stuff will have it. Even- well, yeah, would uh, would the L.A. the new L.A. stadium for um, the Rams and Chargers? Do you think they would host something? I would imagine. I would imagine they're going to use as much stadium inventory and give people a nice showcase of a lot of these new stadiums as much as possible. Yeah, um, like Atlanta and uh, oh yeah, you know Jerry World and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if that's when it was here in uh, what was that ninety six? Was it ninety six? Um. No, I think ninety four. Ninety four. Sorry, ninety four. Um, it uh, they did it all over. Like it was in like I remember there were some matches in L A. Some in like St Louis. I think they they were kind of all over. So I imagine they'll do something similar again. Yeah, I just don't know if you're gonna do the Rose Bowl. Could you also do like the L A. Stadium? Like is that you know like you're gonna do two you know the same stadium or two stadiums in the same region? I don't know. I don't know how that stuff works. We'll see. Yeah, and I don't know from a capacity standpoint. I, I don't know what the capacity in these stadiums they were doing in this year was, but it looked huge. And is that L.A. stadium going to have the – what is the capacity on that thing? Is it like 70-something? Like, it's probably Rose, big enough. Rose Bowl, you can expand it to fit 102 still, I think. Yeah. So. Anyway. Nice. Hey, one real quick thing before we jump into the questions, too. I have a completely new setup here in my uh, in my studio let us know if it sounds different, worse, bad, whatever. Um, hopefully, it sounds better. That's what we're we're going for here. But just you know, so we know we have some uh, some audio experts out there. I actually had one. Uh, shout out to Gary who who listens to the podcast of Champions and uh, and the Parasol podcast. But he's he'll always email me like, "Hey, you're a little, you're clipping a little," or he'll always tell me what's going on, what's wrong with my audio. And he actually came into the the studio last week. I bought I brought lunch in. And uh, we set up a new mixing board and everything. So it was, it was nice to Gary. So shout out to Gary for, for doing that. But let us know how this sounds. Hopefully it sounds better for you guys. Yeah, Ryan told me before we started that he's got lots of new knobs that he's playing with. So <laughs> if you hear Ryan playing with knobs during the show, don't get, um, you know, don't get worried. It's, That's just his new mixing board. I will, I will tweet out like a picture. It is, um, it's a little intimidating. Like there's a lot of stuff here. It's not like you know, you're producing a rap video sort of thing, but it's, you know, a lot bigger than the little eight channel board that I would have next to my computer before. Right. Yeah. If you had to estimate how many knobs are in your office right now, like how many (laughs) besides me, um, (laughs) you're virtually in my office. So there's one more. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right. We've got lots of good questions today, but we do want to take a moment to tell you a little bit about simple contacts. There are a million things demanding your time. Contact lenses shouldn't be one of them. That's why we're excited about a great new company called Simple Contacts that is making the process of renewing your prescription and buying contacts, well, simple. Simple Contacts is the most convenient way to get your contact lens prescription renewed and stock up on your brand of contacts. Get this, instead of taking time off and spending hours at the doctor just to renew your prescription, you can now do it online in under five minutes. This is vision care for the 21st century. Here's how it works. Take a quick self-guided vision test from your phone or computer. It's reviewed by a licensed doctor in 24 hours. You receive a renewed prescription and reorder your brand of contacts. So simple. 
If you have an unexpired prescription, you can use them too. Just upload a photo of it or your doctor's info and order your lenses in minutes for a great price. They do all the hard work for you. Buying more contacts has never been easier, and why should it be hard in the first place, right? That's why Simple Contacts was created. Simple Contacts offers every brand of lenses, and their prices are unbeatable. Plus, the prescription is just 20 bucks. Compare that with an annual appointment, which can be up to $200 without insurance. Shipping is free, and best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first Simple Contacts order. To save $20 on your lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com slash champ20. That is C-H-A-M-P-2-0. I like it, Dave. And uh, I, I think we talked about this before. I had LASIK surgery like 12 years ago. My eyes have all been has been great. Uh, but they're starting, to, they're starting to change. I'm getting older. Not good. So I want to try this, uh, try to do the, the, the test online, you know, with your phone. I think that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it does sound very cool. And we do want to be clear, this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. You still need those occasionally, but it is the most convenient way to renew a prescription and reorder your contacts. Again, check out Simple Contacts and get 20 bucks off by going to simplecontacts.com slash champ20 or just enter code champ20 at checkout. Save yourself time, money, and a headache with Simple Contacts. All right, Dave, good stuff. Let's jump into some of these questions. We have uh, Frank in Sacramento, uh, Pac-12 linebacker question. Ryan and Dave, do you believe the top 30 linebacker rankings in college football news? They only show two for the entire Pac-12, and both are at USC. The ginger in in the toe – I think he means the ginger and the toehead. So I think he's talking about um, – Cameron Smith and Porter Gustin, I assume. I have not seen this list. I don't know if you've seen it, Dave. I'm I'm attempting to pull it up right now. Okay. I do not I maybe this makes me a bad journalist. I don't read any of these like big preview things on these like kind of big national websites. Is that bad? No, I I I hate like watch lists. Like that's the worst. Like it's I don't so dumb. I don't watch it's those. Just, who has hype? Um, and if you're like okay. ranking like the top 30 line, like that, I mean, I think that's sort of almost like a watch list sort of thing. Like if it's a, a preview of a team and you're reading about that, like I don't have like the feel still stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll read some of those, but not really like stuff like this is not, doesn't really float my boat, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't have like any immediate objections to the list, but like if you asked me to name like the starting linebackers for every single team in the Pac-12, I would probably have some trouble doing that as well. Yeah. I'm sure some Washington linebacker is going to end up being a top 30 player in the in college football because that seems to always be the case. Um, I'm sure some Utah guy will be in there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, just to speak kind of vaguely about it, um, because it's how this stuff works is, you know, who racks up tackles um, in in terms of like the national pub that these guys get. Um, and that can be largely scheme oriented, like a middle linebacker in a certain scheme is going to rack up tackles, even if he isn't great. Um, so, I mean, we'll see, I, I don't have objections to Cam Smith being in there. I think Porter Gustin, I think he's been, um, I mean, last year he was pretty good, but he got hurt. Um, I think he's been a little bit more appearance over production at this point, but I think that might change this year. We'll see. Um, but Cam Smith makes sense to me. Yeah, he's a guy that gets a lot of production, a lot of tackles and stuff. And Port Augustine just kind of has a as a name. He's going to have to get like double digit sacks and stuff this year to like you know be be worth what the hype is kind of around him. But yeah, he was out for most of last year, so we'll see 
if this is his triumphal return or gets hurt again or who knows, but he's the guy's a beast. He made Bruce Feldman's like freak list because of, you know, he's just like weightlifts like all day long, I guess. <laughs> it's right, cr- it's which, kind of crazy. Which is sort of like football. Yeah. This is, <laughs> a lot of football-y stuff. Uh, Sorry, we don't have more thoughts for you uh, on this, Frank, um, but I don't think either of us have paid attention to the list and we probably won't going forward either. Yes. Yeah, so sorry about that. Um, all right. This is uh, from Steve in Salt Lake. How dare you, Mike? Hey, guys. Dave, you say you're not a fan of craft beer aficionados, but your beard says you will talk about IPAs for hours. <laughs> I do get this a lot. Like people thinking I'm I'm a huge hipster because I've got a big beard <laughs> when in actuality, it's just I'm incredibly lazy and, and I really, really don't want to shave. And I've got kind of sensitive skin, so shaving it with a razor just irritates it. So I'm just like, nah, I won't do it. And I just respond by ha- by growing the biggest beard possible. But no, nice. it doesn't. It's not a. Uh, it is certainly not a uh, um, an aesthetic choice. Not nice. mine, anyway. Um, anyway, also, Dave, my suggestion for your next boy's name, Laramie. Ooh, I like unique. that. And as far as towns go, it's the crown jewel of suck. <laughs> When you take your next family vacation there, visit one of the local watering holes. You will notice two things. One, the fashion du jour is always Hunter Orange. And two, all the bar patrons, both men and women, look and sound just like the manager from Major League. Uh, Mike's email two weeks ago criticizing the subject matter of the podcast was one thing. But to have this guy talk down our super awesome number 34 TV market rating is absolutely crossing the line. Mike, do you know how hard... We, as a community, collectively worked to recruit new residents so we could climb to number 34. Back in the Mountain West, whenever one would bring up Salt Lake City, the reaction was typically, oh yeah, that place that is slightly smaller than the Greenville-Spartanville demographic area. <laughs> well, guess what, Mike? Now we can look a Cincinnati resident straight in the eye and say, we are better than you. Further, Mike, this podcast has ways to go before turning into Sports Talk Radio. The day I hear Ryan and Dave podcasting from the local Kia Scion dealership telling the listeners that the third voicemail caller or is it a voicemail lever, gets a free True Noblest shirt, side note, use the promo code CHAMPS, while tallying votes in the background that will determine the results of their March Madness bracket, except instead of 64 basketball teams, it's 64 hot babes, or hamburgers, or some other benign subject matter, is the day I will state Michael was right all along. Also, Sports Talk Radio is the only forum where one listener, let's randomly call him Oz, can use that platform to publicly attack another listener. Let's at randomly call him. Hi, this is Nick from Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick 21 USC from the P. Plus, you can't say this on AM radio. Fuck BYU. <laughs> anyway, here's my question. So that was – I just want wow. to take a pause and say that that was that was gold. That was that a was great preamble gold. to the question. Just yeah. gold, Jerry, gold. Um, all right, so question. Anyway, here's my question. Who is the worst fan in the world? Is it A – guy behind you who does the super loud whistle with two fingers in his mouth the entire game B guy next to you who knocks over your $13 coke that you specifically placed under your seat so no one would knock it over C the opposing fan who accidentally bumps you while crossing each other in the concourse D the lone guy who with great enthusiasm and vigor tries to start the wave or E the curmudgeon old fan that grabs the beach ball bouncing in their section and deflates it war Tyler Huntley yeah, thanks, guys. War Tyler Huntley. All right, so this is this is a good question. I have a definitive answer, but I want to hear yours first. You have a definitive answer? Okay, I don't think I have you... a definitive answer. Um, I'm thinking I don't really like the, the $13 Coke guy, the guy that knocks over my, my expensive thing, especially when I take the time to put it under my seat. That's the one that stuck with me the most. What about you? So 
I would say A, B, D, and E are all the ambiance of attending a live sporting event. People being loud, that's that's the ambiance of a live sporting event. Guy who knocks over your $13 drink, I mean, what are you expecting to happen when you have to be forced to pay $13 for a drink? You're already like, this is the worst possible thing I could be doing with my money, and then for somebody to knock it over is poetic justice. That's great. D, the lone guy who with great enthusiasm and vigor tries to start the wave, whatever, we all like happy idiots, that's fine. And then the curmudgeon, yes, that's that's perfect, that's exactly what you want as well. You want all these elements, that's part of the joy of especially going to like a baseball game, because who really wants to watch the baseball that much? You can people watch and see all those people doing their thing. C, on the other hand, is a hyper asshole, and they need to be shamed and, and thrown out of society. The opposing fan who accidentally bumps you while you're crossing each other in the concourse, that's just that's not the ambiance of going to a live sporting event. That's something that actively makes you not want to do it ever again. So, so I'm he's going trying to, to start a that. fight or something. Yeah, <laughs> somebody who's just being an asshole, that's, that's, that's the part that goes away. All right. Uh, that's the worst fan in the world. You the, convinced the guy me. Who's, who has turned being a fan of a team into something that makes him want to get in a fight is very, very dumb. You know, one of these things, um, we see it on social media a lot, and you you have to have like a very definitive take about something. It's, you know, Heinz ketchup sucks. It's Hunts or whatever it is. Like there's these people that just take these, mm-hmm. I, I don't know for the sake, like, I, and I'm just like, I look at all those things like, yeah, they're all kind of shitty, like whatever. Um, I like that you had a very definitive take, though, why one of, you know, there was good reasoning behind it. Um, I just feel like there's a lot of people that are doing that now. They're just taking these, like, this is my take, and it just seems just kind of random out of the blue, but they'll, it's, it's, uh, they're so definitive about it. And I don't, I don't know if it's just the, uh, the culture right now with social media and everything, and you have to, no, like, I just think, I, I just think you're seeing a lot of people who are C in this list. They're, they're fans <laughs> of their take, and they're going to bump you for having a different uh-huh. take. I like that. Let's see. I brought it back. And you you've, like and you've convinced me. I'm going with C. So I, you've talked me into it. So Steve and Salt Lake, if you're uh, keeping track at home, I'm going to agree with Dave. Cool. Uh, but yeah, great, great email. Um, that was beautiful. <laughs> he had a lot of, of great stuff. Yeah. yeah. That was one of our best. Bill in Mesa wrote in. Um, he says, "Killer podcast." Hi, Ryan and Dave. Ryan, you're the best, and Dave, you're my second favorite Bruin of all time. <laughs> Well, that's got to be pretty good. So who's? That's that's really. Um, I don't know. I've been asking like, for us to ask. Yes. And you know, we're going to ask. I'm happy knowing I'm second. It's fine. Is it like a? I mean, like a John Wooden kind of thing? Like you Maybe, up there? I'm guessing he. You know what? I'm going to guess he's a Trojan, but he has a a a a child or a sibling or something that went to UCLA. Or maybe married. A, a, there we go. Could be that. Yeah. Could be a lot things but i'm gonna guess it's like a a family member right all right uh it's the only thing that he could have rated above me that's what i'm gonna say about bill okay it's not like troy aikman or something or you know it's 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 a family member because that's that's all that could be above me in the rankings um but i think that's a compliment i don't think that's a backhanded compliment i think he that wasn't quite backhanded that was that was a a caress an actual compliment okay uh, now for the serious stuff. Twice in recent history, I've literally, yes, literally had to pull to the side of the road because you had me laughing so hard. The soccer talk talk has brought tears to my eyes. I laugh so hard. You must start a regular soccer podcast to piss soccer, and uh, puts in parentheses, football fans off and keep us non-soccer fans in stitches. <laughs> That's like, I mean... It's like we don't have time, but that would be awesome to do like a, be fantastic. to do a parody, like act like 
it's real. Like we're just really analyzing soccer just poorly and making fun of it. And, and like, but not saying that just like, you know, here's our, you know, the world I'm cup. Doing it seriously. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, absolutely. And all the, the terrible takes about, you know, getting rid of offsides or introducing a second ball to make things more interesting, all that kind of stuff <laughs> would just really piss off regular soccer fans. I love it. I just don't think we have time, Bill. Uh, as for the rest of the podcast, and I've heard them all, it's not professional and it's poorly produced. And I wouldn't miss it. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Keep up the great work. Well, that's kind of. That's Ryan Ryan takes mad offense to that bill, but I don't. I, I appreciate it in the sentiment that it is given. Yeah, uh, we try. Ryan, like, Ryan invest, invested in a ton of knobs, and he's <laughs> super pissed now. Well, so. if, it, it's hard to be like when it's just the two of us, and you have to work all the knobs and do all the stuff like while you're trying to host the show. And I don't know if you get to do this when you're doing like the broadcast, but I'm usually more worried about making everything work, like. And being the host is sort of like secondary. Like you're just like, well, I could just wing that. Yeah, you know, but the other stuff oh, I yeah. have to make sure that works. Um, but what people care about is they want they want to hear your opinion, so they want you to be the host. And I feel like without a producer sitting here doing all that other stuff, it does hurt your hosting duties because you have to do these other jobs too. Well, and and we're so woefully unprepared most of the time that like <laughs> even though I am not doing any of the mixing whatsoever. Like half the time I'm like reading ahead in emails because I know there's like a long one coming up that like we should probably have a like just a vaguely slightly prepared idea of what's coming. And so I'll be like reading ahead and then Ryan will stop talking and I'll be like, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. That's the thing. I don't know what was said at all, but I'm going to talk as if I did. Um, And this happens rarely. But, you know, uh, we're what I'm trying to say is we're a, we're we're a really shittily produced podcast, but we're doing our best. All right. With just two of us, yeah. I think if we we might be able to get some help and have someone kind of do that. And I've always had the idea, um, and you know, I might start doing this with the new equipment I have. We're gonna do at least on the USC side. We're gonna do a bunch of more live shows, like Facebook Live. But we could potentially like cyber, like you know, show the video. What do they call that? It's like it's not a simulcast. A simulcast. 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 Right? Yeah, I think so. Of of like our show. And then I think that would actually make me a better host because then you're not like, if Dave's talking, I'm not checking a text, <laughs> you know, like you could, people could see like, he's not even paying attention, you know? Um, well, that's, that's what we found actually when we were in the same room, room, I feel like our shows were a little bit tighter and yes. they, were, they were probably even a little bit more conversational, even though I think we do a pretty good job over the phone because we couldn't look at other shit. Like we couldn't, <laughs> couldn't distract ourselves with something else while the other person is talking whereas yeah. now we are fully capable what were you saying again well some of the stuff is <laughs> no exactly but some of it is um you know just getting like you said getting ready for the next question stuff that has to do with the show it's not always like i'm gonna go play tetris or something on another thing but it's which i don't do that but it's uh and that's probably a terrible reference it's, you know millennials don't even know what that is but what was I saying? Yes. So we're, you know, it's like, it's, it's usually stuff for the show. Um, and if you had a producer that was doing a lot of that stuff, I think it would make things a little bit tighter. So I'm sorry you feel it's not professional or, uh, produced well. I think our audio quality and stuff should be pretty good. It should be pretty up there with some of the other shows you listen to. And if not, let me know and we'll, we'll keep working on it. Bill and Mesa loves us. Yeah. He was, he was jesting. All right. This is from Bernie. You ready for Bernie? Bernie. Okay. Is a long one. This is uh, long, dude. Bernie, yeah. 
bruised and battered. Um, hi, Dave and Ryan. I need you guys to put on your chaplain bars for this one, as I need consolation, or at the very least an explanation of where I went wrong here. It is regarding a posting I made on the UCLA site this week. I am the type of fan who enjoys following recruiting and gauging how my Bruins are doing compared to the Trojans. This year, not so much, as it has been disappointing to say the least. So I expressed my disappointment online, only to suffer the slings and arrows of the mass majority of the members. 127 down arrows to date! That's a my lot. Question to you, that is a lot. Uh, my question to you is, am I really that far off base and naive? Alright, I'm going to read... Uh, our man Bernie's postings, and uh, and then I will give you my take. Uh, the first one, just noticed UCLA is 85th in the 2019 recruiting class ranking. Never in my wildest dreams would I have envisioned such a dramatic drop with the UCLA brand and a new head coach that was supposed to be the biggest hire in 2018. Florida State must be thanking their lucky, lucky stars Kelly passed on them. I mean, 85th? This is nuts. Troy, are you sure you pushed for the right guy here? Oh, well, there is always basketball. No, wait, that isn't true anymore. Uh, the members quickly let me know that it was Florida and not Florida State that I am a troll. I should be banned from posting and an idiot in general. So not wanting to go softly into the night, I further posted the following. <laughs> sure is a lot of pettiness on this board. I have been a Bruin fan since 1964 when I drove to Los Angeles, Los Angeles with my father to pick up the guest speaker for our local sports award dinner. It is the first time I met John Wooden. On our way to the dinner, Coach Wooden quizzed me on how I was doing in school and stressed the importance of an education. I still have the program Coach autographed for me. My father, who is 98, remained in contact with Coach until his death in 2010. So I am a Bruin to the core. My comments regarding 85th right now reflect my disappointment in how Coach Kelly is being received by the recruits. Yes, there was an error when I said Florida State instead of Florida, and many of the so-called experts pointed that out. But it doesn't negate my point. When Florida State hired Willie Taggart this year, they experienced a jump in recruiting and are currently rated 10th. When Michigan hired Harbaugh, they also got a boost in recruiting and were enlisted 5th that year at that time. Nowhere near the drop we are experiencing. I just thought Chip Kelly's name would mean more. My mistake. So give me all the down arrows you can handle, but my disappointment is at least honest. If you listen to the podcast of Champions, even David Woods and some of the, that was a little drop for us, and some of the members' exp, uh, questions express some concerns. Tracy speaks of increasing the staff intensity, so I'm not the only one a little surprised. Guys, was I really that far off base in your opinion, and am I really that ill-informed? Bernie, I don't... So here's the thing where I think you ran into trouble is you spoke really definitively. Yes. Um, and you said things that were kind of absolute statements. And come on, let's be honest. You're being a little pr provocative when you say something like Florida, even if you said Florida, must be thanking their lucky stars Kelly passed on them. I mean, he hasn't coached a game at UCLA yet. Let's, this, uh, let's just pump the brakes on all that stuff. Now, the general sense, expressing skepticism about UCLA's recruiting st strategy at this point, I think that's completely valid. It's probably feelings I share at the moment, and I don't care about recruiting at all. Um, I think um, I think it's 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 a little bit not. I, I wouldn't even go so far as to say it's worrisome yet, but it is uh, something to keep an eye on for sure. That um, UCLA has offered maybe the fewest guys in college football so far. Um, and that when you talk to a lot of these guys that UCLA has offered, very few of them say that UCLA is among the schools recruiting them hardest. Um, I think they're clearly making a calculation that either A, 2019, the 2019 class isn't a huge one for them, there's not a whole lot of guys they like, or B, 
Um, there's not a whole lot of value in recruiting guys this hard early or see some other thing. But whatever the case, I'm a little skeptical of it as a strategy. Um, I think however you want to evaluate, and I'm sure he has a very – Chip Kelly has a very involved evaluation process – I don't care. Like, I don't care who you end up recruiting and who you end up getting. Not really, especially if you have a coach as good as Chip Kelly in terms of developing talent. But you actually have to go get some guys. And um, and it's just at this point, they don't seem to be recruiting the guys they've even offered all that hard. And so that, that would be the note of concern at this point. Um, obviously, it's July. It's not. Not November, not December, and certainly not February. Um, but uh, there's, I think there's reason to be, uh, you know, uh, paying a little bit of attention to it at this point because um, the one, the one negative note anybody ever heard about Chip Kelly as a college coach was that he didn't like recruiting. Um, and recruiting being a little bit weird at UCLA, which is a notoriously easy school to recruit at. Um, just, you know, it's a note. It's something to, it's something to keep an eye on. Bernie, uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of what Dave said. Um, he also sent a screenshot of the Knights of Columbus Sports Night program uh, from, I think it's May 12th, 1964 with John Wooden on it. It's not signed on the page. He didn't send us the signed page. Um, but that's obviously it was really important to him, Dave, that he kept it uh, all these years. So very yeah, cool. cool. Uh, but Bernie, for so from my point of view, um, especially I think you're, it's, you're talking about a different game. There's different programs that are, you know, there's the organs of the world that are trying to get as many as you could possibly get right now. And then the UCLA's of the world are not. So to compare rankings right now, um, I, I just don't think, you know, 85th doesn't really mean anything. It is July 15th. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're, you're talking like you're in the first inning of a game, the top of the first, and it's like a three Oh count or something. And you're worried. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, maybe that means the pitchers are going to be a little wild. And by the end of the game, you know, he's, he's going to be out by the fourth inning or something, but you're putting a lot into they're only ranked 85th and they just hired this big name coach. He has a strategy. So you, when you hire a coach, um, that has the name that Chip Kelly has, and he is the coach that everybody in the country wanted Florida, obviously not Florida state, but Florida, uh, you know, wanted to get him. You, you know, there was a lot of choices for Chip Kelly, and he picked UCLA. And I think once you have that happen, you have to give him. You're obviously giving him plenty of leash, but um, I wouldn't micro analyze everything he's doing. Like Dave said, he hasn't played. They haven't played a game yet. I just don't think it's going to be a very good season. My guess is, and I don't know his strategy. And you know, maybe it, it, he could have a terrible recruiting strategy. I'm not sure, but I would. You, you hire the guy. I think you have to kind of roll with with what he's going to do and not worry about his first three moves in the chess game. I think he's playing chess and I think it's going to take a long time. And if he puts a pawn out there, that's, you know, vulnerable or something like who cares? Like he's got a master plan. I don't know. Maybe the master plan will fail, but I think you have to kind of trust him when you hire chip Kelly, trust his master plan. My guess is it's not going to be a very good season in 2018, uh, but it will be better in 2019 and recruiting will change. And, Everyone has different strategies. I put up, so um, I went down to the opening. Kyle Ford caught 91 balls, um, ridiculous numbers. Like he almost doubled the number of catches from any other receiver at this thing. So this is like two days in a passing tournament. He caught 91 balls. I forgot how many touchdowns, like crap loads of touchdowns and PATs and stuff. And, you know, USC is not recruiting them all that hard. And, and, uh, 
Kayvon Thibodeau, like they, they're not, they haven't really called him for a while. Like big, you know, five-star guys, local guys, and people get on the boards and like, what, what, what are they doing? What are they doing? And I think sometimes when you are the school and USC and UCLA are both the school in the city that has all the five-star guys, you don't necessarily go gangbusters right away. You kind of let some, the organs of the world maybe punch themselves out. And I'm not saying this is the right way to do it, but I think this is a common strategy you let Oregon come in and do as much as they possibly can, and then you you keep the you know you keep it simmering, but you're not going all out right away. And maybe that's part of Chip Kelly's strategy. I'm not sure, but whatever it is, I think you kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's been on the job for months, hasn't coached a game yet. So I'm not one of those people that's like, oh my god, recruiting is in the crapper. I think that's more part of the strategy than anything. If it's a good strategy or not, I'm not sure, but I really feel like this is part of the plan. Yeah. For sure. Sorry, that was really long-winded. No, it was beautiful. Um, yeah. Well, we got a text next. Mm-hmm. Joe, he says, with all due respect, I believe your rankings of the Territorial Cup uh, are too low, especially on the basis of hatred. After all, Tucson Tech tried to keep ASU from becoming a college in 1958. I didn't know that. Frank Cush went to went door-to-door to lobby for the state vote that ultimately was passed to make ASU a college. Note, Arizona fans still claim overall series success, but ASU has had more head-to-head success since becoming a college. Uh, Other events such as Arizona fans defacing uh, midfield the night before a game and the ultimatum bowl set the tone for a hated rivalry, or heated rivalry. Outside of the 2014 game, the teams haven't been that great, but still there have been meaningful games such as uh, as the Arizona game keeping ASU from the Rose Bowl, in 1985, John Jefferson's catch in 1975, ASU ass beating in 1996 that led to a Rose Bowl and conference title, and of course, the 2010 block party game. Bottom line, the game is more than a football game for the state based on the history, and it is us- uh, unusually, I'm sorry, it is usually a source of frustration for the better team as the lesser team tends to prevail. That's from Joe. All right, let's bump it ahead of the Civil War. You convinced me. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I th- there's some, you know, some really interesting history there. I didn't know about, you know, Arizona trying to prevent ASU from becoming a college. Like, that's kind of interesting. But, yeah. I think this next one is just a uh, personal email to me, if I'm reading it correctly. Uh, so, yeah. But- it's a recommendation of some cool podcasts. All right. So, if anybody's interested in I've, – uh, I've talked about Byzantine history on this before – uh, we've got a couple of recommendations from uh, Jake F. at the University of Washington. It recommends the History of Byzantium podcast by Robin Pearson or the History of Rome by Mike Duncan. I haven't listened to either, which is what he asks in this. But um, Mike Duncan, I believe he does the Revolutions podcast, which I just recently started listening to. And it is cool as hell. Um, I strongly recommend if you're interested in history, especially um, early modern to mid-modern history. Um, so starting in like the 1600s, uh, listen to that Revolutions podcast. It starts with the English Civil War, um, and it continues on from there. It is super cool. Um, but check these out as well, History of Byzantium and History of Rome. Um, he also gives a recommendation um, because I have confessed my distaste for the University of Washington, which is just something I kind of threw out as a lark because I needed some answer. Um, you then answered in a much better and more political way. Um, but uh, he said, given the breadth of our listening audience, he thinks – 
we should explicitly or implicitly challenge the fan base of the school that you'd be most indifferent towards leaving at a gas station to invite you to an awesome game day experience at that school and attempt to change your perspective. So if I end Ooh. up in Seattle at some point, going to a game day experience hosted by some UW people would be a lot of fun. So uh, very cool, Jake. Um, I will uh, I will maybe even respond to this at some point. But yeah, uh, yeah. I kind of think so when I went up to cover the Washington USC Washington game in 2016, um, we filmed the uh, the tailgate experience out there. You know, with the the, the sailgating, you know, with the boating and stuff. Yeah, I think I think we did this on the show, and like several people invite us on their boats and everything. So we are we've kind of done that at least once before. But I'd love that. I think it'd be a great. That'd be that, so much fun. And yeah. it was really a neat experience, like seeing everyone out in their boats and. Um, it's great to have a friend with a boat, you know, having a boat can be a real pain in the butt. Not, I've never had a boat, but I mean, everyone I talked to that's had a boat. So you need a friend that has yeah, a boat. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like a real pain in the ass to, to have a boat. Like, and the bigger the boat, the more the pain in the ass, right? Like I if guess. you have a yacht, like God, think about just the, it must be so annoying to have a yacht, right? <laughs> like you've got to just be like, oh no, I've got to think about my yacht some more. <laughs> Well, or like having a big enough, run, yeah. have, having like a big enough boat that you can fit like a small boat inside of it. Then you've got to think about the small boat too, and it's just like I don't want all these boats. <laughs> I mean, literally though, like if someone handed you or me a yacht, like we couldn't do anything. We would. I go would bankrupt. sell that shit in a heartbeat. Yeah, you'd go bankrupt like in a cocaine heartbeat. It would be gone. I think it's like a hundred grand to like fill the gas tank and stuff. Like that's that. Yeah, I mean, that, like, no, that legitimately like giving a poor person. Um, <laughs> and I think in the yacht market, you qualify as a poor person as oh, well. Yes. Uh, yeah, giving giving one of us jackasses a <laughs> yacht would probably not be ideal, but we would hawk that shit. We would sell it right then. We would turn that around and sell it to like whatever billionaire needs a small boat. Yeah, but you could, yeah, you could, like, it's one of those things, like, oh, I want a yacht, like, well, you couldn't afford, like, there's a staff, like, oh, I mean, there's no way I could afford it, I mean, there's no way, so, yeah, I don't know how we got onto that one, uh, no, he does okay. say, uh, I wanted to thank, he wanted to thank you for your guest appearances on my podcast, and congrats on not being replaced yet. You've noticed um, that I passed that part. Right, right. but I, but just so, Jake, just so you know, like, there, no, there would be no, he's not a guest on my podcast, uh, he could run the podcast. It's just more of a lazy thing. <laughs> but, but there's no way we would, I would not replace him or he wouldn't. I, I don't think so. I think it's more just about, it's, if we're not doing it, we, we thought about getting other people on and stuff. And it's basically, if it's not us, it's probably, it's not this podcast. So, yeah. When we, when I moved to Atlanta, we talked about maybe doing something different, but it just, no. Yeah. No. It's either it, this or, or nothing. Yeah. You get us or nothing. <laughs> Uh, oh, you want me to do this one? Okay. Uh, is the Pac-12 network in financial trouble? This is Earl in West LA. Guys, watching football in 60 on the Pac-12 network this morning. And I noticed when they go to commercial break, there are almost no national product ads. Instead, the quote-unquote commercials are Pac-12 promos or season ticket sales for Cal, ASU, UCLA, USC, etc. The only real commercial I've seen this morning is for Meals on Wheels twice that's not a commercial. Um, that's public service. Uh, any, anything else is about the conference. Don't they need advertising revenue to su survive? Are they being propped up financially? If so, how? By the way, I've listened to every podcast since the first one, and I've been impressed with how the show has evolved and gets better every year. This is especially true 
this offseason as you have managed to keep things interesting and engaging for two hours with little or no football news after such a terrific offseason. I am eager for even even more podcasts once the season is in full swing. Thanks for all you do, Earl in West L.A. Very nice, Earl. Well, thanks, Thank Earl. Yeah. That's great. Um, um, I've got no idea why. I'm, I, I haven't. I haven't been watching a whole lot of Pac-12 Network since the season ended. I know during the season they did a much better job of having commercials on. Um, I imagine there's not a whole lot of interest in buying a bunch of commercial inventory for, I don't know, whatever the hell the Pac-12 is showing right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm no television uh, expert, but it's funny. It, when you mentioned Meals on Wheels, and I've mentioned I'm doing that now, um, I think I did that because I saw that commercial on the Pac-12 Network. So, uh, But th- yeah, those are like... There, Meals on Wheels doesn't pay for that. That's I forget what the program is. It's like this public service kind of thing where they'll have like charities and things like that that will get airtime um, when there's space. And so if you're seeing those along with promos, that's all like in my understanding is that's all non-revenue stuff. Um, so you know, showing a 60-minute replay of a Pac-12 game that was played like eight months ago probably isn't going to get a lot of advertisers, you know, buzzing, especially if it was on one of the regional networks as opposed to the national one. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's all part of the, the problem. Now to be fair, if you watch like the SEC, SEC network, I think there's a lot of that too, but there's a lot more actual uh, ads on there than I think what you're going to see on the PAC 12. So, you know, maybe compared during the season, you know, watch, maybe go on, watch the SEC network, when they're showing some weird, you know, soccer replay or something and watch with the Pac-12 and does the SEC network get real ads during the soccer show? And uh, I don't know. We'll see. But it's uh, it's it's I wouldn't say it's a great sign. It's not a good sign at all. But I don't know exactly what that would mean. Yeah, uh, I have no actual thoughts on the finances of the Pac-12 anymore. I'm, I'm spent. They're gone. Um We've got an email from Nick. You ready? This is the response to Oz from last week. You ready for this? Yeah, I think Oz came at Nick pretty hard, right? Yeah, but I'm I'm excited for his uh, for his greeting. Okay, this is a good one. Uh, statement questions. Hi, this is Nick from Cyprus, aka Big Nick Twenty One USC from the P. Hello, Ryan Abraham and Dave. David wannabe lazier and fatter version of Zach Galifianakis ruined his life forever. Woods. We asked him to be creative. That's, That's good. Great. That's good stuff. But you are not fatter than Zach. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he, he's gone on the Hollywood diet. I oh, like he's lost now. weight? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't All think right. you were. First things first. Oz, you troll. You're lame coming at me from La Palma. You would be a UCLA fan because you're a loser, and unfortunately you're not a jock like Oz was in American Pie. But I am like Paul Finch getting your mom, LOL. So this is a... Damn, we're going back to 1998 with that reference right there. I think, yeah, that's a 90s one. Wow, okay. Nick bringing the thunder. All right. Uh, next thing, fan or alumni. This I'll pose a question to all and maybe try and bring some perspective. My backstory is a simple one. I grew up in Long Beach, wasn't the best kid growing up. Got kicked out of school for fighting and stuff like that. I got out of high school with a degree, LOL, and joined the Army where I served my country for 15 years and got out due to a medical issue from deployments, concussions, and a bad shoulder injury. I never attended USC, though I've been there for the last four years or so. I am a fan of USC. So my understanding from Oz is if you didn't attend USC or UCLA or whatever Pac-12 school, you are less of a fan of that. Uh, than a kid who did attend and hopefully graduated. That has some flaws. One, some of your most loyal fans are not alumni. I've seen student sections leave both USC, UCLA, Cal, ASU, and Stanford games because it's too early a game. Thank you, Pac-12 Network. Too hot, too cold, the team sucks, etc. 
My going to college football games the past 15 years, I've learned the people who stay at those games and are loyal through and through are fans. Now, the second part to this fan slash alumni question goes a little off topic of the Pac-12 podcast. Last time I checked, Dave, you said you were an Angels fan at one time. I am too. This is your one redeeming quality. <laughs> but wait, neither of us played for them, so we can't be fans. We are not alumni. Ryan, I believe you said you liked the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wait, you can't be a fan. You are not an alumni or played for them. So my long-winded question is who's more valuable to a college team? It's alumni or fans, fanboys. To me, neither. Both bring the same to the table. Oh, and Oz, I know you never played for UCLA because you sound like a pansy and probably never went either. Fight the... F asterisk askers. I don't. I don't know what that could mean. Yeah. Uh, on, I love this podcast. Good stuff from Nick. Um, on the question itself, I don't know. I, I don't know uh, who. I mean, my my instinct is that for college teams, probably the majority of most fan bases are people who attended the school. I think for some bigger schools, it might flip a little bit. Like for USC. Because it is a more of a national brand, I would guess that there's a little bit more of an element of people who are just fans of the team, especially because they were so good for so long. I know Alabama has that as well. Um, for UCLA, I think it's more, uh, I, I and, and not to a like a, a, a dispositive effect. Just like I think it's probably like I don't know, 60 alumni. Um, but I could be wildly off on that. I'd love to see the numbers on it, um, but. Obviously, I mean, if you're a fan of a team, you don't have to have gone to the school. That seems dumb. And I think the people who get into those sorts of arguments, it's just kind of silly. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you if you like watching USC play football or UCLA play football, then why do you need to go there to continue to do that? I know a bunch of people who didn't get into UCLA but grew up fans who went to, like, Santa Barbara or San Diego who didn't obviously go to UCLA, but they don't have football at their schools, so they continued being UCLA fans. Um, and I, I don't, I don't see anything. I, I, all this stuff about like, who's a more loyal fan and all this crap. Just it's, it's the same. I, I don't know. I hate that kind of shit. Yeah. We see this and there's debates on the boards all the time. And I think it's different obviously, cause you're not going to be an alumni of the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Anaheim angels uh, or Los Angeles angels of Anaheim, whatever you call it now. But the, you know, for colleges, it's, it's unique. And that's one of the things is unique in our culture because like, if you go to Europe, um, like college sports aren't a thing. Like that's a real unique sort of thing that we have here in America, at least as far as I, you know, as far as I understand it. Um, so I think that's makes it a really interesting aspect of it. And we do see debates on the boards and, and some of the fans get really defensive. Like, Hey, I actually went there and blah, blah, blah. Or I'm a two time, uh, you know, beaver for Morgan state, or I've been, you know, I, I got my master's degree from the ducks and, but I went to Washington undergrad, but I'm a, you know, Washington, whatever it is. Like there's, all kinds of aspects of that. The whole fandom thing is strange when you think about it anyway. It's like, why are you, you know, why were you an Angels fan? Well, that's like a close, it's a team that was like near where I grew up or whatever. You know, it's like, so where are you, so if you were born in Kansas City, you'd probably be a Royals fan or whatever. So it's just kind of random just where you are. Like, hey, this is a team that they call home near where I call home. So we're going to be a fan, you know? Um, and I, I think, there's more Knicks out there. There's more people that are didn't attend schools, but if they're in the area or they saw a special player and just fell in love or whatever it is, um, there's a lot of people like that. I think once you if with if I wasn't running the message board, you know, running the site, I wouldn't have thought. I'm like, oh, most people are graduates. But once you start doing that and talk to more and more and more people, there's a lot of people out there. 
that they might have like a, I went to Harvard or something, but I'm a UCLA fan, you know, like whatever. Like there's a lot of that stuff out there more than I kind of ever thought. And I probably wouldn't have known it, you know, not having, uh, if I wasn't running the site. Yeah. I think I'm basing, cause I know that people have done like on our board, like, and not in like a, a very, um, accusatory way but they've like had polls before and i think it was like it generally came out to like 50 50 ish on the ucla board and like i was saying i think for usc for like the schools that have won a bunch of national titles and have had like a a high profile for decades and decades i think that'll tend even more to be um non-alumni fan base um but i think for like a ucla especially because it is like one of the bigger universities in the country in terms of um attendance i don't know i mean i would be really interested to see like kind of how it breaks down because it is kind of unique from a, a fandom perspective that there are the people who actually went to the schools who become fans of those schools so and, and if you're talking about you know a state like california or i mean most of the pac-12 if you're like if you grew up in arizona um and you like college football you know maybe it was like desert storm or swarm time and so you like arizona then or or you were growing up and jake the snake was you know killing it there so you became an asu fan like if you didn't go to either school there's a lot of that in the pac-12 you know los angeles you have two in the same city like one newspaper covering two major universities but like if you grew up in nebraska like and you you know you might be three hours away from from lincoln but you're going to be a Nebraska fan, you know, and there's a lot of states where it's like that. Now, you know, there's like Alabama that you could be an Auburn fan, but for the most part, I think the general person growing up in Alabama ends up being an Alabama fan, likely for all the success they've had. So I think you see le- a little bit less of that here on the West Coast where there's just, you know, if you're, if you grew up in Louisiana you and you like college football, you're probably an LSU fan, you know? Right. Uh, we have the showcase hoedown. From Hithliday Almond, I was a little surprised last week that you boys were lamenting Texas not joining the conference a few years ago. Uh, what are we talking about here? Grabbing all the top-level recruits in their region and then squandering them, living on past glories despite over a decade of national irrelevance, childishly demanding a TV network that caters to them exclusively but nobody can watch, administrators who will, will internally, uh, eternally compromise such incestuous halfwits that they make the the Westminster Kennel Club look like a healthy grown-up affair. That was a mouthful right there. Wow. I guess <laughs> I got through it okay. I guess three yeah, <laughs> I guess three's company to USC and UCLA fans, huh? Let's play a game. Each of you pick four Pac-12 teams overlapping aloud. The goal is that their combined 2018 regular season win total comes to closest to 25 without going over. Just shoot from the hip. Don't punt uh, till next week. Okay, so I guess let's talk about the first part first. Um, it's Texas still. It's Texas. Like, it's Texas football. They have the Longhorn Network. Like, you can watch that. Like, it's it's legit. That brings more relevance to the conference if you brought in Texas. Like, whatever you can say about their shortcomings and stuff, it's still Texas. So, you buy your girlfriend a diamond from Tiffany. It's like you got it from Tiffany. You get that little blue box. There's something to be said about that brand. So, yes, it would be a huge gain for the Pac-12 to have have Texas joined uh, years ago. And we wouldn't be having any conversations about the Pac-12's inherent instability that we're sort of having now when, you know, the 
we wouldn't be having the same conversations about revenue issues, I don't think, if Texas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and whoever the fourth was going to be at that time had come in at that time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's in an ideal world, no, you don't add Texas to this conference. But I think with the way all of this stuff went, whatever that was, six years ago, seven years ago, and now the Pac-12 is falling behind from a revenue standpoint, um, yeah, I think it would have – probably would have been a better situation now if texas were in the league right i don't think that's yeah. a out there statement 100 percent, um, yes all right so, so four pack 12 teams overlapping allowed combined regular season win total comes the closest to 25 without going over all right so should we each take a second here and and come up with ours and then we can read them because i don't want us to agree on this because we should actually make this a, a you know a competition right right but he wants us to shoot from the hip so, All right, so just, I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna type in my notes right now what I think as okay. we're going through this. All right, I'm gonna shoot from my proverbial hip. There's a different strategies because basically you need 25. You basically want four teams that are gonna win an average of six games, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, you want to try to get that. So you could either go for. Oh, this team's going to win eleven. This team's going to win one, and that you know averages out. Or you could get. I think these teams are all going to go like six and six, sort of thing. All right, I've got mine. Do you have yours? Uh, I'm going to just come up right now. I'm going to go Cal. Okay. Which I think is going to be like a six winish kind of team. Uh, I'm going to go Arizona. Okay. UCLA. I think that will get me to about. 17 or 18? Yeah. And then, shoot. I think I'll do Washington State. All right. So I, I, that'll, that'll be my, uh, that'll be my four. So you're looking at between, you know, five, six, seven wins for all of yours. They're sort of, yeah. Like I sort of went with the middle of the pack group. Right. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Washington with 10. Okay. Uh, UCLA with five, Stanford with eight, and Colorado with two. Wow. Okay. So I like it, but it's riskier. Oh yeah, I'm I'm going full risk here. Yes, because like Stanford, but I've got could, some room for error in there too. Right. Like the you just can't have like Stanford and Colorado having way better years than you think. You know. Right. Right. And I I and I'm I'm going super, you know, bearish on Colorado. Probably a mistake. Could have gone with Oregon State, but I'm not doing it. All right. All right. So I think should we leave this up to Hithler today? Uh, I'll read you what his um, picks are. Let me. Uh, oh wait, where's where did I put that thing? Okay. So he says my pick. Spoiler alert. Uh, he has Washington thinks eleven, Arizona State six, Colorado State. I mean Colorado State. Colorado six, and Oregon State two. So Hithler day are and I are four wins apart on Colorado, which is good. Yeah, so that's pretty um and I I picked Arizona I think the only one I have in common with him is Arizona State, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Hitler, you want to keep track of that? Um cuz we will totally forget this. Uh Yeah, I'm curious to see how we end up doing. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious. Um, um okay. Cool. That's fun. Nice. All right. So this is from uh 89 Ute Michael uh, meet Bridger. Dear Dave and Ryan, you guys did not believe that some stupid misguided parent would name their kid Bridger. Well, here are two of them. <laughs> K- 
Keep in mind, these are just <laughs> the ones that made the paper. I told you I came from the land of bad names. Another thing to know about Utahns, not only do we give our kids stupid names, we try to outdo each other with stupid spellings. I cannot provide proof, and by now I shouldn't have to, but I guarantee you someone has used the spelling Bridger, B-R-Y-D-J-E-R, ooh, sounds Scandinavian, or Bridger, B-R-Y-H-D-J-E-R. Point out the question mark after we. A few of your listeners will get it, and it's an it's an inside joke. Okay, so he said not only do we question mark give our kids stupid names. Um, anyway, uh, you also specifically mentioned Dixon. Do you believe me now? Here's something else I want you to know. Of the names I rattled off, and here's the list: Cooper, Jackson, Dixon, Hunter, Parker, da- Dawson, Peyton, Easton, Bridger, Porter, Carter, Harrison, Walker. I pulled from a list of the most recent Utah high school all-state baseball players listed in one of the local papers. So there you go. Sincerely, 89 Ute. He links a couple of articles with Bridgers in them. Bridger wow. Hunt. One year lot of stuff go- and many steps later. A lot of stuff going on here. And Bridger Knowles. He's wow. A, he, he's a senior from Spanish Fork. Aren't we all? So those are real things. Yeah. Real I, damn thing. I don't know. Um... Well, 89 Ute, that's good stuff. Uh, I didn't know Utahns, or is that Utahns? Is that what they say? Um, yeah, and if you're in a state where you have to call yourself something like that that doesn't have a vowel where it should be, um, <laughs> yeah, you're going to name your kids some weird stuff. Uh, we'll see. Maybe it'll come back. It'll come back and everyone's going to be named like Myrtle and uh, Merva and stuff like that. Get back to the old, like old school names. Um yeah, those are kind of awful. They're pretty awful, but I, yeah, they're always come. They'll come back around. They'll become cool at some point. Right? I don't think Myrtle's ever coming back. No, no. Myrna. I don't think Myrtle, Merva, Myrna, uh, Bertha. I don't think these ones are ever coming back. Those were some interesting ones back in the day. They just yeah, they sound were- old. Like it's just funny. Like those people got old. They just sounded old. Like what were they like when they were a kid? Like I don't know anyone with those names that's not old. You know. Yeah, exactly. Like right. you have to change your name at some point. Like you hit 65 and you got to pick an old person name. <laughs> uh, we have, this one should be interesting, Conference of Losing. So this is Lone Star Dog. A short time listener, first time asker from a Husky making immigration great again in Stockholm. So we, this is an international question. I love Woo-hoo. that. Yeah, I love the international questions. First, I'm giving you... A Nebraska classy standing ovation for solid potting during the contest. I'm sorry, during the contest. During the content desert that is the offseason. Informed, smart discussion while also not forgetting that the conference we occupy is absolute dreck on every level. Which brings me to my question. What is wrong with football in our conference? I don't, I don't know if we've talked about this before, Dave. This is a new one, I think. I'm just kidding. No, uh, no, Brian, we're right. Okay, so for the last decade and a half, that Washington sucked. I didn't spend time wondering because I sadly hoped all the other teams sucked so that we could suck a little less in relation. I led a miserable and pathetic life, I know. Or I lead a miserable and pathetic life, I know. Now Washington is back, baby, and we're focused on the playoffs, not going 7-6. and six. Hi, Sark. However, the brand of football the conference plays is embarrassing. It's schemey, focused on speed without strength, built for upsets, and has zero chance of winning at all. I like the built for upsets part because that's that's something that hurts this conference for sure. Uh, moreover, to survive this conference, you have a nickel defense keeping everything in front of it, a passing game which punishes misalignments, and a quote-unquote power running game 
that can overwhelm wet toilet paper but disappears against real teams. See the Peach Bowl from 2016. So that said, what needs to change in the conference culture schemes, strength programs with weights instead of bands and advocate? Hi, Ivan. A region with recruits who want to win instead of just being recruited. Schools actually wanting championships. Fan bases and media who know BS and will call it out. Winning the conference means less now possibly uh, than possibly ever in the modern era and does nothing to prepare for the playoff blue bloods. How should Larry Scott fix it? Lone star dog. Interesting stuff. Watch it digest. I don't know if I buy some of the premises. Um, I, I, so the big 12 is more pass happy than the pac 12. Um, and Oklahoma was about the only school that did any goddamn thing to Georgia this year. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily being being too schemey. I would say the main issues with the Pac-12 over the last 15 years or so is uh, largely just shitty coaching. Um, a lot of schools have had bad coaches, um, and I think that's, you know, Cal went from early Je- Jeff Tedford to bad Jeff Tedford to Sonny Dykes, um, and that was not great. Uh, Colorado has had its worst stretch of years and you know, the last decade, I mean, I don't think they've had a worse stretch in the last decade. Um, Arizona's done nothing great. Um, I, I just don't know that it's, it's necessarily that it's the scheme. That's the issue. I think there's some inherent issues with talent on the West coast. I think I, I, I've never seen a full like statistical analysis of it, but, um, the lack of overall defensive linemen on the West coast has always been a talked about issue. Um, you don't get the kind of, you know, big athletic dudes that you get in the South, um, especially. So when you're competing, you know, for national titles with the SEC, you have to factor that in. They don't have to play nickel defenses because, you know, their defensive lines are getting after the quarterback super quickly. So they don't want their quarterback standing back there to throw the ball too much. They want to run it. I mean, there's a there's a lot of things that play into it, but talent acquisition is just different on the West Coast, and you're more likely to get great quarterback play on the West Coast because there's more available out here. Um, that's why you know a lot of guys from the West Coast or from Hawaii end up starting at schools that are not on the West Coast um, because that's just what gets produced out here. So it's just it's a different type of thing. But I think the main issue, I mean, how close was Oregon to winning a national championship? Was it three points? Yeah, I think so. Two or three points. It was really close. Right. And Stanford in, I think, two of those great years, um, I think one in early Shaw and one in late Harbaugh, like they easily could have been in a playoff if one had existed. Um, and in 2015, they might very well should, they, they, they possibly should have been. Um, so, uh, that, and that's a, that's a program that is built on a lot of that strength and line play and that sort of stuff. So, I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's been somewhat bad luck. I think a lot of it is systemic issues with the Pac-12 as a league, and not necessarily in a bad way. But you know, playing nine conference games, um, one of the premier pro, two of the premier programs, UCLA and USC, never playing FCS schools, so they're constantly scheduling FBS from game one to game twelve. Um, and I think Stanford has. Um, but Washington hasn't either, I think. I'm not sure. Um, but I, you've got a lot of issues like that. And then I think right now, one of the premier coaches, Chris Peterson, his brand of coaching, 
he gets the our kind of guys thing, which is, you know, he generally recruits at the like three and low four star level. And he coaches those guys up and develops them. And I don't know that when you get on the stage with Alabama, I don't know how that's ever going to play. Um, I think it is built for great regular seasons. And then I think you do have to almost get for get an upset against uh, against an Alabama because the talent disparity is just too great at that point. But I think in a league like the Pac-12, where he knows the weaknesses, ins and outs of all those teams, I think it can work in a regular season level. And once you get in the playoff, a lot of it is luck anyway, unless you are Alabama. So, I mean, it's kind of a convoluted answer. I think there are some systemic issues with the Pac-12 and just some systemic strengths. I think the fact that quarterback play is generally so good out here, the fact that skill play is generally so good out here, um, I think it lends itself more to doing stuff that's a little bit more geared towards innovative offensive scheme um, over kind of the big hog, you know, thing that you would see from Nebraska in years past and uh, and from the SEC uh, currently. Yeah, I agree with you. Oh, excuse me. My, I think my voice is going a little bit, Dave. Um, I think that the, one of the good points is it does seem like it's a league that's built for upsets that there's it's harder i think you don't see these teams are are week in and week out being all that consistent i think you see a little bit more of that with like washington's and stanford's and stuff but there's a lot of potential for um you know like an oregon state to come up and beat somebody and and ruin somebody's season more so than i think maybe some of the other conferences i think there's some validity to that um and that obviously that doesn't help if you're talking about playoff chances but i think in general you don't, you don't need to change, like, there's stuff that you just can't change. You know, there's going to be something, you know, things that you just can't overcome. Um, but I think you can make some, I don't think there's something that Larry Scott can really do besides keeping it so it's not, you don't have to give the Washingtons or whatever an advantage, but you don't want to give them disadvantages. And I think that's what was happening before. So make sure that there's, it's not set up to make upsets much easier because that doesn't help you when it's coming to playoffs, the more upsets in your conference, the more, you know, the more difficult it's going to be for a team to, to make the playoffs. So just make it so they're not at some sort of disadvantage. I think in the sec, they probably give a lot of advantages to the top teams to try to help them along. I'm not saying you need to do that. Just don't put them in a disadvantage, a disadvantageous situation. Yeah. I think that all makes sense too. All right, this is from Thomas uh, Michael on 7-6. Hi, Ryan and Dave. Had to laugh toward the end of the July 6th podcast when you read the email where Michael stomped his feet about conference expansion. I couldn't stop chuckling at his complaint. The Pac-12 not focusing enough on the size of media markets during expansion as opposed to geography? Does Michael not understand that strategy is why people loathe Larry Scott in the first place? Does he realize that it's no accident that Texas is home to both the top 10 media markets of Dallas and Houston? Are there people out there that honestly think the conference went after Texas and Oklahoma because the flight time from L.A. is the same as Seattle? Don't worry. I'm sure Michael is a great great guy and doesn't deserve ridicule. His comment just makes me wonder if his last name is actually Leach. <laughs> Keep up the incredible work from Thomas. Good stuff from Thomas. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we talked about, you know, the Texas stuff a little bit before. Um, that's, yeah, I, I don't think there's any argument there. Like, that's, maybe you're looking at it from the point of you don't want to bring in another big time alpha program like that. But if you're looking at the overall conference strength, it only would have helped. There's no, uh, you know, maybe if you're Washington state, like you said, it's a, 
is it better to have to i think it helps you know it's a you know rising tide raising all the boats sort of thing but it is another behemoth that you would have to compete against you know um but it's a real behemoth it's a real even though you know they won the national title in 2006 but they hadn't won one since like the 50s but they've always had this following so i think yeah it's hard to argue Texas, Oklahoma are blue blood programs, and they would have really helped the conference to have them in there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. We have what's up next? Uh, podcast question. This is from Anthony. Hi, Ryan and Dave. How would you rank these records as most difficult to break? Okay. So he lists one, two, three, four, six records here. Largest margin of victory. Okay. So 222 points by Georgia Tech over Cumberland. That's in Tennessee, back in 1916. All right, that's that's my leader in the class, right? Um, longest winning streak, 47 by Oklahoma, 53 to 57. Running yards per game, individual in a season, 238.9 by Barry Sanders in 1988. So he averaged almost 240 yards a game. Most interceptions thrown in a game, nine by Florida's John Reeves versus Auburn, November 1st, 1969. Sacks in a season, record is the 27 sacks by Derek Thomas from Alabama, 1988. Total offensive in a game by one team, 1,021 yards by Houston over SMU, October 21st, 1989. So I have a clear number one is the, the margin of victory, but what do you think? Yeah, that's the obvious number one. It's so obvious that I'd almost throw it out because yes. I'm guessing there were even different rules in place at that point. Um, but of the other five, I think the there's another really obvious one, which is the winning streak. Um, 47 straight games, I think, is going to be untouchable forever unless they change the rules and there's a real, real decrease in parity because if Alabama can't do that now, no one's ever going to do it. Yeah recruiting the way they are with potentially the best coach ever to put to ever coach in the sport. Um, I just don't see that. So I think you ranked them almost in order here because 222, that's never happening. I don't think another team no. is going to score 222 points ever, um, let alone beat a team by 222 points. Um, I think it's, it's when was the last time a school scored a hundred? Yeah. I don't, I don't recall. That, I don't think that's happened, but here's one, yeah. here's a sneaky one that I think, I would put number two. Most interceptions thrown in a game. So nobody would be kept in that long. Right. You're right. Exactly. It's like I just don't I mean like, like physically you could easily do that, but maybe not easily. I just don't think after the fourth or fifth one, you unless it's like a red shirt freshman and or, you know, like a guy that they burned his red shirt and all the other quarterbacks are hurt and he's the only guy left. But you're not even gonna be throwing the ball. But then at that you'd point. be you'd be running the ball. Yeah. Exactly. So, so it's not yeah. to me that's not 222 points out of whack but it's just I just don't see that ever happening. The winning streak sound logic. I mean people are going to be trying for that all the time. I just it just doesn't seem like anyone's ever going to be able to try to throw nine interceptions. It just won't have the chance. Right. And the one that I could see being broken like tomorrow is the total offense in a game yeah. by one team. 1021 does not seem untouchable with the way some of these offenses are going. Yeah. Um sacks in a season Guys happen. have gotten guys have gotten close recently. I mean, Terrell Suggs had I think twenty four in two thousand two. Okay. Um. So I think there's there's definitely room there. Rushing yards per game in a season. I think again with these you know crazy offenses, I think that's completely out there 
for somebody to grab, 238. Um, but yeah, the 222, 47, and uh, nine interceptions in a game, I think those are all nigh on untouchable. Yeah, the, the rushing yards, I think the thing that will be hard about that is I believe Barry Sanders only played like 10 games that year. Am I wrong? I don't remember, but something like that. 10 or yeah. Nine. And so now, like, if you're on a really good team, you're rushing, if you're, your team's rushing for 240 yards a game, you're probably going to a bowl, you're, you're going to your conference championship game. You know, that might be a 15-game schedule that you would have to try to, you know, keep that up, which would be really tough. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but yeah, the 222 points, like, that's... That's tough. That's a lot. All right, this is from Keon. Pillage your way to the top. Hey, Ryan and Dave. Fun fact, a drive to, to Vegas takes the exact amount of time as one of your podcasts at half speed, <laughs> a.k.a. the speed at which you both sound wasted. There's no better way to prepare for a crazy Vegas weekend than to listen to you two drunks talk about football for four hours. Question, suppose you take a 2017-18 Pac-12 team at the end of the season and pillage for any other Pac-12 teams. You can take other players, coaches, facilities, etc. What Frankenstein team can you create that would have been able to take down Alabama for the national championship crown? Mm. Wow. Um, he has he has an alternate question if we didn't like that one. Okay. Do you ever miss the days when you can watch a football game as a fanboy and not with the critical lens of a journalist? Thanks for asking my, answering my question and keep up the good work. Um the first one is tough for us because our brains are broken. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, I think you could do it, though. I think you could yeah, take yeah, yeah. like you Oregon's facilities. Do it, yeah, yeah. Oregon's facilities. You could do. You could make a, a Frankenstein team that would beat Alabama. Like easy. I I think. Yeah, I think you would take Oregon's facilities. I think you would probably take Washington's coach, um, and you would take just a wide variety of players from a bunch of other Pac-12 teams. But you basically need to construct enough line play to compete with Alabama, which I think if you did it from every single Pac-12 team, you can get there. Yeah. Uh, you could have some Stanford offensive linemen, Utah defensive linemen, you know, like USC receivers, right. like stuff like that. Like you could put that together and be pretty damn good, I would think. Well, and Washington, even if you, even if you, um, looking at that team, they were overmatched against Alabama two years ago, but they hung in there for a little bit. Like, it wasn't like they just got completely smoked. And that was with, you know, our, our good friend Noodle Arm at quarterback. I mean, if you if you slam Josh Rosen on that team or Sam Darnold, I don't know. Maybe they beat him that year. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think there's – I don't think it takes all that much doing. And that goes to my other point with the last question, which is winning 47 straight games is never going to happen because Alabama is the clear dominant team in college football, and they can't even escape a single season without a loss usually. Um, so yeah, I think, I think a PAC 12 all-star squad for sure could take down Alabama. And I think even if you took glass, you know, Washington from two years ago and just mixed in a couple of guys, uh, they probably could have done it. Yeah. And the alternate question, hundred percent, I miss those days. Like it's even but, in sports. Have you actually done it recently? What do you mean? So I used to think I missed those days too. And then I sat in the stands at a game uh, one time, like in, I don't know, this is probably like 2013 or 2014, and I hated it so much. <laughs> Sitting there just like listening to like all the fans yelling stupid things at the teams and like all the cheering that I was expected to stand for and like doing like claps and chants and all that garbage. It was exhausting. <laughs> I don't want to do that shit at a game. I want to sit there and have stats brought to me, 
get up, go get some coffee when I want it, walk around, you know, shoot the shit with other journalists. I don't want to sit there and mix with the hoi polloi. Come on. But now you, so, but you, it's kind of an ignorance is bliss thing, right? Like you didn't know that before. And even it's not just college football, which I think both, you know, if we didn't love college football and college sports, we wouldn't be in the jobs we're doing now. And you'd really have to change. Like it was what brought us into that profession. Then you kind of have to lose it. Um, once you're in there, but even like, I, you know, I grew up watching the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was always a big Steeler fan and I, it's, it's kind of ruined fandom for me everywhere. Like I, it's, you know, I'll, I like to go to games every once in a while. Like if I, you know, if the Steelers were playing out here, I might go see them and stuff. And if they're going to run the playoffs, I'll care, but it's not like they lose a regular season game to Cincinnati and I'm like bummed or it's like, eh, whatever, you know, but it's, I, I used to care about all that kind of stuff and it's just hard to now. Like there's no, like NBA team that I would, you know, die to go see or anything like that. Like LeBron James is going to be in LA. Like I'll try to go to a couple games, but it's not like I'm going to live and die by what they do. I think by becoming a sports journalist, I lost just fandom in general, you know, which if I didn't do this, I, I wouldn't have known. I would still be like a big fan of a lot of these things. Yeah. My brain has gotten fully broken by being a journalist, like a sports journalist in any way. Cause like I find myself like doing, you know, you do the thing like I, I don't know. Like I've 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 rooted for teams I previously enjoyed to lose sometimes because I'm like, oh no, I want that coach fired, right? Yeah. Which is just such a crazy thing, but it's like, but and you do that enough, and it just breaks your brain. Like it fully breaks your brain, and you're just like, oh, I don't. I, I don't actually take enjoyment from anything anymore. Uh, it's only bad <laughs> things that happen that give me any joy. Um, it's just, it, it fully breaks your brain. I don't recommend becoming a journalist. Uh, do whatever you want in life, but like, just enjoy sports. Um, you know, we'll, we'll think about them critically, but you just, just be out there enjoying them. All right. Somebody should have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good um, stuff there. <laughs> We got a text, or is that it for that one? Was there any yeah, other? that was it for that okay. one. Okay, uh, we have a text question, and so this came from, and I'll I'll make my, my little. It's not like an announcement, but uh, I am cutting the cord, Dave. Cutting. Uh, not going to. I had um, I had Verizon FiOS at my house, and I I really liked it. It was TV, vo- you know, all that stuff. The the phone number, you know, home phone. Um, turns out not a lot of people have home phones anymore. No, no, many of us are not um, not ancient, right? Uh, but I still do, and basically the only number, the only calls I get at home are like spam calls, and you know, people pulling you on the next presidential election. Yeah, lots of stupid stuff that I don't really care about. Um, and once Verizon got bought or whatever, sold it to Frontier, the customer service—it's just been some of the worst I've ever experienced. And my bill would keep going up every six months, even though I'd call to get it fixed, and. Um, I finally decided, I think I actually paid for Fios in my office, even though I had free spectrum internet, because we tried to do the podcast with the spectrum internet and it was like cutting out and I was like, shit, I need to get something better. So I did that. When we moved offices, I tried to, I, I signed up for the service and they were going to come and move it, move my office, you know, and I was here for four hours and they never showed up and I had called during it and they're like, no, they're coming, they're coming. And then later on, they're like, oh no, there was a mistake. And I'm like, I sat here for four hours, like screw you guys. And I started using the Spectrum again and it was working great. So now I'm fully just using Spectrum in my office and I'm going to 
Um, and at home, they raised the, the, like the same day, like my bill went up again. I just called like three months ago to fix it. So I'm like, screw it. I'm cutting the cord. So no more of that. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Like YouTube TV or something like that. The only big disadvantage I've seen so far is that if you're going to live tweet games that you're watching, sometimes you're like a minute behind and it kind of, that, that hurts a little bit, but I, I think I can live with that. Yeah. That's going to be bad. That's going to be bad because I'm going to be tweeting snarky stuff at you and then you're going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> well, if I'm at the game itself. Like I'm usually in the press box when you're doing that, like I'm watching another game or something. But yeah, if you're at home, then I might not understand. So we'll see. I don't know. We're, I'm going to try it. Like I can always turn cable back on or something, but I've just, I was just tired of it. But that's, what's what a lot of these millennials are doing or actually they've never had television service. They, it's like, they're not cord cutters. They just, they've never had a cord. <laughs> right. They're cordless. I think there's some name for that. Like I don't know if if I didn't have to watch um, the stupid Pac-12 network and I, I get the whole Sling TV thing. If I didn't have to watch like eight different things and if I wasn't already paying for like I don't know a bunch of streaming services that I know I can't cut, I would have done it a long time ago. But I don't know. Some people here liked watching Project Runway or whatever. Right. I mean, what am I going to do about that? No. Yeah, my wife does that too. So you're kind of looking at all the channels. And there's a couple I'm looking at that don't have the Pac-12 network. It's like, ah, oh, crap. Um, like Sling TV, I have it in my office, but it's only, I think we talked about this, it's only um, the regionals. It's not the national show. But yeah. But anyway, so the, the reason I brought that up, because we have a text from Lobo Jangles. He said, Ryan, for what it's worth, I tried to cut the cord. Did a trial of sling without disconnecting dish and my $150 bill for me. Anyways, there was a noticeable loss of picture quality. The buffering is annoying as well. I also remember the delay is increased, uh, but might might have been a product of other factors like the internet provider, which was Cox. Number of devices utilizing bandwidth in the home. Uh, I did the trial first prior to cutting for sure. He said I'd trial first before cutting for sure. Uh, I've kind of oh. trialed because I've got Sling in my office, and it's fine. It's kind of like basic cable. Um, it, the interface is a lot – like if you just like the channel surf and stuff, it's a lot harder to do stuff like that. And if you want to watch the local channels, you got to like flip it to different input to do your antenna. So it's not as certainly not as easy. But if anything, it might make me stop watching as much TV as I watch, and that might be a, a benefit. And, and really just watching more things on demand, like my – I just grow, you know, you've just grown up channel surfing and doing all that. But if, if it was switched, I mean, your mentality was switched and just like, oh, I could watch this show on demand without commercials and things like that. It, it's probably a better experience like what, what some of the young kids are doing. Yeah. And if like, I don't know, like three or four companies didn't have a complete um, overarching monopoly on all of the cable markets and they could just drive up prices constantly without any like changing in contracts, maybe we would have better service too. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's a thought too out there. We could just... <laughs> push for you know better services so we don't have to like come up with some convoluted thing where we're like i'm gonna have sling tv netflix amazon this crap it's gonna cost actually more than cable in the long run but at least they won't increase my prices every month maybe we could just fix the problem i don't know just just thinking out loud here all right this is from michael you ready for michael yes uh one more thing about tv markets hi guys the benefit of the Big Ten getting Rutgers is not about whether they have a bunch of rabid fans who watch. It is about getting the Big Ten network into the basic cable package in the New York City area. If they get a dollar per prescri- subscriber, 
and there are several million subscribers, those fees add up. Meanwhile, I'm considering your listeners' advice to eat sand and set myself on fire. <laughs> Since I have realized that a vocal part of the listening base likes having kids on their lawn, I thought that I would contribute some topics to help fill up the off-season. Your top 10 favorite recipes for spam, the top 10 greatest engineers of all time, rank the Pac-12 schools by the quality of their anthropology departments, the 10 best disco songs of all time, if you run out of material, I'll be happy to provide more. Grumpy Old Michael, my new handle. By the way, you could also rank the seven dwarves. I am sure Grumpy would be number seven. Good huh. stuff from Michael. Love it. Grumpy Michael, stuff. yeah. Uh, no, I think that's true as far as getting – you want to – it's not just like, hey, we have a whole bunch of people watching Rutgers football. But I don't know. I, I'd have to go look at the numbers. Just because it's Rutgers, though, does that instantly put them in basic cable there? Uh, I I don't I I thought I read that there wasn't it wasn't like that the case like some would insert it was a, it was different for every provider, uh, but it, at least you would have that opportunity and and like like Michael said all those dollars would add up all those fees would add up. Yeah, absolutely. Who's uh, your favorite engineer of all time? Uh, me? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like who's <laughs> like driving a train engineer or like electrical engineer um no i don't i don't think i have a favorite engineer of all time do you have a favorite engineer of all time uh no probably not i mean the the guy who um offered to build some uh, child submarines that could double his child coffins this week was pretty good for the uh, thai kids uh um, like elon musk yeah yes 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 that, um, that. coffin like so was it was it gonna fail like was the yeah, he he was building a rigid submarine to navigate like a narrow cave passage. That's <laughs> that's going to drown some kids real quick. But he tried to build it in like a day or something, right? Like it was some insane. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he got a lot of publicity for it, too. Yeah. Um 10 best disco songs? I like BG stuff is good. Um Yeah, I could do some BGs. I could do um uh, Saturday Night Fever stuff. Uh Yes. I guess Disco gets a bad rap. This goes fine. It's not. It's. Uh, there was a whole thing. Um, There's an Andy uh, Gibb one I liked. I forget which one it was, but yeah, Andy, Andy Gibb's biggest hit. Like he, that was good. Yeah, this goes fine. This goes fine. Yeah. All right. Well, this is fun. Uh, all right. You want to read John? Sure. Get the hell out of here. Is this the last one? Okay. Good. Yeah. Uh, we're hold on. Let me see where we're at. What did we do today? We're hour and thirty. Wow. I didn't think this would go this long. Uh, this is from our buddy John and Brea. Dear Ryan and Dave, uh, is it too early to start talking about Pac-12 officiating? Yes. Yes, it is. What do we think about? Oh, this is true. This is some news. What do we? What do you think about Land Clark being drafted up to the NFL officiating crew? Have you heard about anything the Pac-12 is doing to improve officiating in 2018? I'm ready to start complaining about officiating now. Sort of like fall camp for fans. Thanks for all you do, John and Brea. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's a little bit of news that Land Clark, there was, a, I think, eight uh, college officials that were called up to the NFL, I guess you would say, and Land Clark was the lone Pac-12 representative. Yeah, and he was probably the one that like most struck me as like vaguely competent, so that sounds about right. So overall, it would probably be bad for the, like, you basically have to replace your best one. And yeah. And if, if you're like at a conference where there's a lot of best ones, that's probably okay. You're you've seemed to groom other officials and, and made them into, you know, competent uh contributors to the conference. I just don't think uh the Pac twelve has 
a lot of those. So if you're going to argue he's the best one, and, and there's been a lot of complaints about him too, but if he's the best one, um, I, it doesn't seem like the Pac-12 has a good, t- uh, easy time at least replacing those guys or finding them in general. No, no, this is not probably great news for Pac-12 officiating. And no, I haven't heard a damn thing about what the Pac-12 is doing to improve officiating. I imagine not much. Yeah, we'll have, so Pac-12 Media Day is July 25th, so 10 days from today. Um, I will definitely be there, and I'll try to, I'll report, you know, we'll talk about stuff on the show here. Um, If it's anything like years past, I don't think anything major is going to be revealed or anything that, yeah, we want to make it better. There's just kind of a lot of just talking about it, but not necessarily doing stuff about it. So we'll see, but I wouldn't... uh, I would hold your breath as far as, oh yeah, the Pac-12 officiating is going to be so much better in 2018. It's it's pretty much going to be status quo is my guess. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dave, well, should we uh, sign off? Anything else you wanted to, to chat about? No, just uh, letting everybody know um, the off-season podcasts are officially sort of coming to an end this week. On Wednesday, we will begin our preview shows. Well, we're saying Wednesday now. You know how it works with us. Sometimes it'll be, you know, three days after that. Not Wednesday. But, we're shooting for Wednesday, all right? And we'll lead off with the USC-UCLA previews. And obviously, we're not going to get into, um, you know, fall camp hasn't even started. But we'll get into kind of what things are looking like, what we're hearing, and uh, maybe what we're looking for in terms of, uh, you know, what's going to happen this year. Um, and then we'll start doing them two by every week. Um, I'm not sure who we're going to do after us, but that requires the least planning time. And uh, then we will just... Uh, take the next six weeks doing that and i think if if you guys want to write in you know email us pack 12 podcast at gmail.com if you have specific questions so any, whatever school you like you're going to be playing usc or ucla this year right so question about the team um you know what about your you know it could be your opponent or if you're a fan of usc ucla obviously what you want to know about the school you follow or the, the school across town, any of that stuff. And if there's a, if you come up with a good question that we could ask everybody for the preview, that would be nice too. So we, I like when the common questions kind of go through and we would have basically 12 different experts answering that same question about the team. If you got some good ones like that, you'd want to know this about every team in the conference, send those in as well. It's a quick turnaround. We're recording this on Sunday afternoon. We, you know, who knows when you're going to listen to it, but we're going to try to record the first one on Wednesday. So please, uh, if you're listening to this, write it down, jot it down, or just go on your phone and, and send us your ideas. That would be great. Yep. Sweet. All right. Well, that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. I don't have a beard. He does. He went to UCLA. I went to USC. Together, we're the podcast of champions. The offseason, we're going to officially say bye-bye to the offseason. Previews, Pac-12 Media Day, fall camp, all that stuff going forward from now on. But hope you guys enjoyed it. I can't believe we still did it every week in the off season, but hope you enjoyed this edition and we will talk to you next time.